Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Louis D'Souza and Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we've got this week off to a great start because we're, we're kind of in a new, um, a new phase here on LOA Today in that uh, we're going to be doing a lot of bringing out of guests. And if you wanted to start off the process of bringing in guests, I don't think we could have done a whole lot better than the gentleman who has joined us today. <laughs> it is Jeff Shank. He is the host of a podcast called Growth Now Movement. And this is a, a fairly high-powered uh, podcast. I mean, he was he's the host of this podcast, but it was named by Inc. Magazine, I think it was in, what, 2018? Is that what the year was, Justin? It was, yeah, it was 2018. Top eight podcasts. And his genre is like, wow, okay, this is pretty good. So, yeah, th- this is a, a really exciting get. And plus, uh, we found that a lot of, of the things that he talks about with his guests on his podcast are very similar to ours. So seemed like a kind of a natural connection. So, Justin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, dive into, I'm sure, amazing topics that you guys have planned. And I think this might be the first time, and I don't know the format of the show, but this might be the first time that I've had three people staring at me. And so I feel a little uncomfortable, but, but thank you for this. Well, 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 if you like, we can let you go find two others, and we can have six, and that way you'll feel balanced. I mean, it's up to you. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Okay. No, actually, we're very easy going here. We, we don't even have agendas. We just kind of get talking and see where it goes. It, I mean, it's pretty rare for us to actually even have an outline. So, you know, this is actually going to be a little bit more structured than what we do, because I actually have some notes to look at about, you know, who you are, so we can get the conversation going this way. Now, I have to say, your About Me page has one of the coolest notes I've ever seen, because on your second paragraph, you start by saying, you see, if there was a senior super, a, a senior superlative for least likely to succeed, that would have been me. I found myself with a 1.7 GPA while my mom was in the middle of a 20-year opioid battle, and my dad was in jail. I mean, there's a great lead right there. Let me tell you, that is a great lead. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that. When you're 16, you don't think it's a great lead into life, right? And um, the reality is, if it weren't for those hardships that I went through in my life, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, and, and that's that's 100% the truth. And the reality, you know, my mom battled opioids for 20 years. And, and unfortunately, she lost that battle about six mm. years ago. And the, that was literally my rock bottom moment. But that was also the catalyst for everything that I've been able to go on to. Oh, obviously, a great podcast that now gets played in 100 countries every single week. And I work with some of the coolest people on the planet. And I host my own live events. And I speak over the country. And it's really from that rock bottom moment. And so I remember early on as things started to take off with the podcast and I started to talk openly about my mom's addiction, there was like this this feeling of guilt of like, wow, like this, this terrible moment in my life is really this catalyst for so much greatness. But then as I went and unpacked it more and had conversations with so many great people on my podcast, this seems to be a theme. Uh, and it really is those people who can realize that life is happening for me and not to me that changes the game for so many people. Instead of playing the victim over and over again, you're able to make a change from those moments. And your experience mirrors the experience of, God, so many people who've been on this podcast who have had some kind of seminal, they often call it a dark, dark day of the soul moment. And they hit rock bottom and then they climb back up from it. And then they look back and they say it was the best thing that ever happened. And here you are saying the exact same thing that everybody else says who's hit that kind of thing. And I've been there myself. I think most of us have. But that's a really interesting thing. Everybody says the same thing. The worst thing. They don't want to live it again. It's not like they want to yes. go through it again. But but the worst thing that they went through was the best thing that happened. I would never want to live it again. Um, you know, whether they were my own choices that led me down terrible paths of multiple failed businesses or, hey, it was my own choice to fail in school. It's not that I have any learning abilities or anything like that. It was truly my, my own choice. Um, but, but the reality is, uh, I would trade all this to have my mom, but you can't do that. Sure. Right. And you, you can. So you have to have the right mindset going into every single thing in life. And, um, and, and I've realized through the course of my life and seeing times I've hit quote unquote rock bottom, I think the greatest lesson that I learned was we actually choose our own rock bottom. The downside to that is most people don't realize that. So they can't put a descriptor on this is my rock bottom moment. I'm going to change it around, right? Like take my mom, for example, she couldn't get out of her rock bottom moment. So it was one rock bottom moment after another until unfortunately it took her life. 
And so if we can define and we say to ourselves right now is my rock bottom moment, we're never going to allow ourselves to fall into those dark moments again. Do you have bad things happen since my mom passed away? For sure. Like I built my whole entire business off of a live event and speaking all over the country and then COVID happened, right? And so yeah. one of two things could have could have happened in my life. I could have sat and wallowed and said, this is terrible or said, what kind of thing is doing for me? What lessons am I to learn? What What kind of things can I do to pivot? And so- that's really, it's, it's really that choice of saying, this is my rock bottom moment. And then again, using that as a catapult for greatness, however you define greatness or success in your. It's true. Um, and by the way, a couple of things, uh, a couple of people are in the live stream. So I wanted to say hello to Sam. Hello, Nasha. Good to see you. Um, yeah, hi guys. And, and uh, somebody else who has a, a link there, I don't think we want. So we'll just get rid of that one. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> those things happen. That's just part of the plan. Um, but yeah, absolutely. What you're describing is the same story. It's the same story that we hear over and over again. And it reminds me of something that I saw. I think it was Will Smith said he, um, he was, uh, Instagramming or something while he was driving. And in this little video, he talked about how all the people who have had, you know, remarkable lives, famous people, you know, hugely successful people. He, he talked about how they had all failed a lot more than they had succeeded and that it was the routine. It was the regular way things happen. And I, I thought it was really on point. It was excellent. I, and lots of people saw it, which was great. And it got a lot of great reaction, but I'm not sure how many people really appreciate that. You know, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. See, I actually just finished his book, which was absolutely phenomenal standpoint of how to how to view life but but it's so true the reality is those are the people that just take more chances right they've failed more than most because they've tried more than most most people fail and go up oh, i'm not good enough or, i'm not worthy enough or i'm not whatever uh, and it's those people who constantly get back up and try again and try again and try again and then consistently show up and be very very persistent in what they're doing right i launched the podcast in 2006 Team, I think we originally launched the show. And so looking at, you know, six years of a podcast at this point, which is longer than most. And um, it was honestly, I have the success because I consistently showed up every single Tuesday at 3 a.m. Eastern time for years. And then over time, the audience grew and I was able to make great connections and then utilize that to grow a platform. But that was after, again, multiple failed businesses and, you know, trying to figure out what is my vehicle? Like, what is the thing that's supposed to catapult me to the next thing? You know, I always thought it was a book. I was like, I'm going to write a book. Everybody's going to buy it all over the world. I'm going to speak on every stage and I'm going to get paid a lot of money to do it. Uh, and so, by the way, the book still hasn't been written, although I'm writing one now. So there, there is a book coming soon. Um, but with that being said, you know, it was really about trying different vehicles, right? When I was 23 years old or 24 years old, I started a company that put together uh, small seminars that focus on personal and professional uh, growth. And we used a lot of local people where I live and, and it was a success for X amount of time. And then we decided to double down and go all in on an event and pay a speaker a lot of money. And, and we ended up selling three tickets to the event and shut down the business. But here I am 10 years later doing events again, where they just happened to be successful. Uh, and it was really about finding that vehicle that was enabling me to be able to do something like that again. What do you think made the difference this time around? I mean, you mentioned you, you went through a few failures and then you had this one succeed. Why do you think this one succeeded? Yeah, I think, you know, understanding number one, I, I'm not 23 anymore, so I understand that I don't know everything. And so I hire coaches where I need to hire coaches and join masterminds and, and do all that stuff. But I think the biggest shift that I had to say, what changed in my life the most from then till now, where I believe almost anything I do can become successful given the right amount of time and persistence. And I don't say that to, to be impressive. I say that to impress upon people that really anybody could do it. Uh, but I think the biggest shift for me was I used to try really, really hard to be the most interesting person in every single room that I walked into. And I shifted that and became the most interested person. And I started asking the right questions and started to dive into people's lives and really dig into who they are and why they are. Uh, and I was able to learn from those conversations. Now, if we broke down the business side of that, what's the big difference? I have a, I have a following now, right? There's this thing called social media that I can post mm -hmm. about things on social media and people will be like, yeah, I do that. Facebook wasn't used for that 10 years ago, although it was around. It just wasn't used for that. Um, but, but the reality was when I shifted my mindset and realized that it's not about me, it's about my audience, it's about the people that I serve, it's about the people I sit down and have a conversation with, 
that changed the game for me because then people are intrigued and they want to be a part of something that I'm creating or something that I'm putting together. I love that. And uh, now, uh, Louis and, and Anne-Marie know I have a tendency to kind of dominate conversations where there's a, a guest on. So I'm going to encourage them. Feel free to just jump in if you have questions, you know, wave a hand or something, because I'll just keep going unless you guys jump in. But, <laughs> but with that, I think, I just, go ahead. I love the I love the theme that I'm hearing recently. And it is like you've just mentioned, Justin, in the fact that you hired people and you worked with people and it's asking for that help and learning from other people that just seems to be a theme going on in the in the last week for me yeah i i think it i think that changes right like it's you put skin in the game and what you're trying to learn and these people have your best interests in mind because you have a transaction with them and so whether it's a financial time a time change one i think i think it's needed in life to really be able to find out how are we going to navigate that next phase of growth that we're trying to create in our business or our relationships or spirituality of anything and and by the way i, I mentioned those three because i've had coaches in all three of those places of my life but i think too is is to humble yourself at times right to sit down and say i don't know all the answers and so every conversation that you have becomes an opportunity to learn. You know, I have, I have a live event coming up in May uh, in Pennsylvania. And I earlier today sat down with a sponsor that we had just brought in. Now keep in mind, this is the guy who's paying me, but he was willing to teach me. And I go, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Can you help me out? <laughs> and he goes, absolutely. And I don't mind doing that. Now this is a guy who you not afraid to share it since he's live now, but he, he runs Facebook ads for, you know, uh, Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi and, and these individuals. So we're talking super high level and he wanted to be a part of my event. And then he was teaching me. And so it's not about like, Oh, we can't learn from every single person or, Hey, if somebody's giving you money, doesn't mean we can't learn from them either. I learn from my clients every single day. And so it's really about understanding that, that we don't know everything. So how many questions can I ask And the right questions can I ask and then implement the right things into what I'm doing. And, and what, so whether you're paying somebody or it's those one-off conversations, like learn something, implement it, and that's when everything changes. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's actually the basis upon which I founded Delaware today because um, it was nominally and initially about learning how the law of attraction worked because I didn't really get it. I mean, I'd seen The Secret, right? And I tried it and sort of gotten some results and other results just weren't there. And like, I, I don't get this. I'm not understanding it. So I know what I'll do. I'll start a podcast and I'll ask a bunch of coaches and experts and they can explain it to me. And that became the basis for the show. So I, I totally get what you're talking about. That makes total sense to me. And in fact, it's, a, I don't know about you. I find it's a fun <laughs> way to do a podcast because when I don't oh. know everything, you know, then, then I can sit back and well, when I'm not talking like I am right now, I can actually sit back and learn something, which is cool. No, I like when you're talking, Keynes. I don't have to. They, I don't have to come up with the next thing to try and make myself sound smart. The, you know, the, the, the thing is, like, my podcast has been my greatest learning tool. And so I'll kind of go back a little bit. And the, the original idea behind the podcast uh, was I wanted to interview entrepreneurs and pick their brains because clearly – I had three failed businesses. I kind of so I had to figure out how to not suck at business. And so I was like, mm -hmm. this is kind of a cool vehicle that I can connect with some really neat people. And in the time frame of the idea of the podcast and when we launched, my, it's when my mom passed away. And that completely shifted my whole entire perspective of life. Like I literally thought that the only way I could be happy in life was to have what society says was success. And especially for men, it's the money. The, the business acumen, the cars, the girls, the house, the whatever, I thought if I could f figure that out, if I could get that piece, then I'd be happy. And when my mom passed away, it was a total shift in how I viewed life in general. And it became so much more about how do I find fulfillment in this moment? How do I love myself? How do I how to love myself when everything is falling apart around me? And how do I smile when things are really, really tough? And so organically, I started asking these people on my podcast these types of questions. And honestly, for the first two years of my podcast, the, every single question asked for me. Uh, it was, I was navigating these things. And actually back, if you go super early on, you can see clumps of episodes where you could, you could st step back and go, okay, Justin was struggling with his relationships or Justin was struggling with business or, <laughs> cause I would literally just bring in experts in those different types of fields and I would just pick their the greatest tool. And there are still moments that I get to do that and, and try and, you know, figure things out on my own through the podcast. Um, but I also ask my audience, like, Hey, 
you know, what do you want more of? What, what types of conversations do you want me to have? What topics do you want me to cover? Who do you want to see on the show? And I try my best to obviously, you know, bring them on actually Friday this week. We're having Gabby Bernstein come on the show for a second time and, you know, excited to sit down and, and dive into some amazing conversations with her. And, and those are the types of conversations my audience likes. So I, you know, I give that as best I can. That's fabulous. That's really good. And I love the attitude. Louis is uncharacteristically quiet. I mean, I, like I said, I can actually talk through a whole show. Louis can actually take over an entire show. And he is like, <laughs> hasn't said a word yet. So I got to ask, Louis, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? Well, you know me, Walt. Um, I'm doing exactly what Justin said, you know, I'm keeping quiet and listening and learning. Because, you know, um, when somebody understands what Justin's just talked about there, um, <clears throat> Uh, how much do I know? It's this amount. How much don't I know? It's infinite. Mm. That's the basic That's philosophy of, of what you've been talking about there the whole time. And a lot of people don't get that. They're so proud of their little bit that they know and they want to share it all the time that they don't leave space for anybody or anything else. And then they don't grow too much. But when you turn that around, that's when your philosophy becomes really clear and, you know, there's so much more out there. My, my life's been fairly similar to yours. My mom died of rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and it slowly ate her away, ate her away. And to believe me, that's a disease <clears throat> of the mind. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of similar things you, you were saying there that, that's happened to me, and there's so much I don't know. And often on the podcast, when I tell people, <clears throat> like I did the other day, that I don't know anything. Everybody looks at me like I'm mad because they think I know everything. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there really is. There's so much more to learn. I mean, the amount I'm learning at the moment is gargantuous because I'm really big into soil and, um, you know, let, let's improve our soil at the moment because I'm really focused on that. So, and I just learned tons of stuff and I'm going to talk for that about that now for, for quite a long time because First of all, the passion's there. Second of all, um, it is a solution to save the entire planet from almost everything. Um, and, you know, but it's an area where I've discovered I've so much I don't know. So much I don't know. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of questions I'd like to ask you because, you know, you, you double down after your mom's death. What's the story? I mean, I'm sure there's more of a story behind that. There's something that um, I'm sure is in all your millions of podcasts, but if you could maybe summarize um, uh, <laughs> in 25 those, those words, really <laughs> uh, those pinnacle points, those pinnacle points. Yeah. So, so first I'll say, yourself. <clears throat> yeah, uh, first, first there is a lot there, right? Cause you know, we're talking about a six year journey and, and it's a journey that I'm still on and that I'll always be on. Um, before I get there, I just want to acknowledge your mom and I, I, that's terrible, right? Right, and I'm sorry that you went through that. But uh, another thing I want to acknowledge is you kept going. I I know this much, so I, I know about this much. So if we give a real kind of scale, I know this much. Um, but yeah, so really, my mom passed away. You know, it sounds magical in a way, right? My mom passed away. All of a sudden, I built this podcast and everything took off. But the reality of that moment was, I I actually ended up getting blackout drunk six nights a week for three months straight, Oof. without without wow. negotiation. Um, and it was me numb pain and trying to mm -hmm. figure out my place and trying to not go through the true process of grieving that we have to go through uh, until there was a day that I had a coach at the time and she called me and she's like, what are you doing tonight? And I said, I'm going out with some of my friends. And her response is, no, you're not. You're going to sit and you're going to feel this. <laughs> and, I, and I okay. And that evening I sat and I felt every single emotion that I was feeling. And I went through all of them. I mean, happiness, sadness, Lovely. pain, anger, all the things. And it was one of my least favorite nights of my life. Uh, but when I woke up this day, I felt this immediate, immediate weight off of my shoulder. And I realized, I kind of said to myself, I was like, okay, now the work can begin. Okay. Now I can become the man I want to be in this world. Right. So first I said, I know it's not going to happen overnight. I know I'm going to have setbacks. I know I'm not perfect. I know all of these things, but what can I do right now to make a little bit of a difference? And this is when I adopted growth of 1% every single day in some way, shape or form. I wanted to grow 1% every single day, whether it was in my business in my relationships in my health, whatever the case may be, it was, it was to just shift that little nod, that little knob a little bit 
every single day. Mm -hmm. Honestly, what you see now is the compound effect of all of those things of learning, mm -hmm. trying things, implementing the ones that worked and forgetting about the ones that didn't. Uh, and the greatest lesson that I learned, and I think greatest shift that I had was I've always been somebody, and I think this was innate growing up the way that I did, because my mom's addiction became apparent to us in the world when I was 12 years old. And so mm -hmm. I learned so many lessons in that life, but I became very, very self-aware. Uh, and I also decided that I wanted to help people. And I didn't know what that meant, um, but I always was the person who wanted to help and give and, and all these things. But I realized once I started to do all this work that I was trying to pour from an empty cup that I literally had nothing for myself, but I was trying mm -hmm. to save the world. Uh, and mm -hmm. so the greatest lesson that I've learned, because people ask me all the time, what's the common theme behind all the people that you interview? Now, keep in mind, I have, I mean, I interview people that are Olympians and comedians and, you know, influencers and celebrities and whatever. So they're all over the place. But so for me to find a common theme was, was I thought was going to be difficult. But I realized every single guest, I ask a two-part question. The first part is, what's your definition of success? And the second part is, what are three things you do every single day to ensure that success for yourself? Obviously, the definition of, su of success always was a little bit different, right? There's always going to be something mm. different for everybody. But the three things they did were for themselves, whether it be working out, meditation, uh, learning something, whatever. All Every single time, those three things were for them and for them alone. And so I started to implement, originally it was three things, and now four things I do non-negotiably every single day. And when I decided that these are non-negotiables to fill my cup, everything began to change. Clients started asking me to work with them. Uh, my relationships came better. My friendships, my love relationship, everything became better. Um, and and it, it almost happened secondary to just me doing the work. And all of a sudden I realized that the most selfish the most selfless thing we can do is to be selfish, to really put in the work to better ourselves so we can then go help others because we cannot pour from that empty cup. And so now I live by the guise of what is in my cup for me and what overflows is for everybody else. And so we need to make sure mm -hmm. that we take care of ourselves first. And that would probably, that, that is definitely the greatest shift and the greatest lesson that I've learned. But it, it took a lot of time. That took a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of steps along the way. And I'm happy if you guys have more questions about going deeper in that. But, um, but it was really, it, it took time and it definitely wasn't overnight. Um, and I'm still a work in progress. I always say, like, I don't want people to look at me and go, I want to be like Justin. I just want to be a catalyst for the conversation of change and growth. Uh, and so I'm trying to live my best life every single day. Yeah. That's Justin, fabulous. what a what I'm really appreciating about you is when I see you say those words, I hear the congruency of the meaning as, as well as the words. So what you say and what you mean are congruent. And um, I'm sure many people have picked that up and, and, and that's why you are probably very popular. Um, I don't know how popular you are, but I'm sure you are. Walt did mention some figures that I, I vaguely saw in an email and they sounded impressive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I really like that. When I see somebody who is saying something and meaning it at the same time, you can feel that a mile away, and it's very easy to see, and I really like that. Um, so kudos to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Like, when I look at what I've built and the success that I've had, it's, it's very, very surreal. Um, and I think people all the time kind of say to me, like, how are you so humble? And how are you really good at being so present in every moment? Uh, and the reality is, I think, I think, I, I, number one, I don't even realize what I've done, like what I've built. It's just kind of like, again, is that consistent growth? And it's just happened. Mm. Uh, but, but also, I think I, I know that it can go away at any given moment, right? So somebody just posted something on Facebook that I'm friends with a couple days ago. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It, was a, it seemed like, to me, it seemed like an arrogant post. And I'm sure he meant well by posting it, but he posted something along the lines of like, I don't go on a podcast that has less than 10 episodes recorded because people don't make it past seven and I, and like all these things. And it was a very, very odd mm. comment. And so I commented and I said, hey, I, okay, I understand what you're saying, but I say yes to every single person who asked me. Whether it's their first episode, their seventh episode, or their 700th episode, I say yes, uh, in order to encourage them to say, hey, keep going. But also to say, hey, congratulations, you've done a heck of a lot more than most. Because I have a mm -hmm. lot more conversations with people that say, oh, man, I've been thinking about doing. 
instead of just do it, <laughs> right? Like people just create all these excuses of like, oh, I can't do that because I'm not this. Or, well, once I do this, I'm going to go do this. You know, people say to me all the time, because I work with a lot of podcasters with their brands and stuff like that. And a lot of people go, I want to be like Joe Rogan. I was like, well, you're not Joe Rogan. Mm. You're you. Mm. Like, how can you be somebody else? <laughs> and so the reality is they're never going to pull the trigger to start because they want, they're trying to be somebody else. And so what I do is like, look, I'm not the best podcaster. I think I'm, I'm pretty good, but that also took 417 episodes for me to say, Hey, I'm pretty good at this. Right. Uh, I think I'm pretty good at it, but I'm certainly not the best, but what I am the best is I'm the best Justin Shank. And so mm. when I show up every single day as, as my best self, I'm going to win every single time. So why not show up? And the reality is like, Hey, look, there might, and obviously I see comments. So there's more than one person watching this. That, that's exciting. But that's all that, that's all it takes is that one person, right? Like early on in my podcast, when it wasn't doing, I mean, we were doing like 40 downloads an episode. And this is before I understood that most podcasts do that. Uh, but we were doing like 40 downloads an episode. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, you know, like I'm doing all this work and who's even listening. And then I was thinking about quitting. The reality was I was like 46 episodes in, 45 episodes in. I'm like, I got to quit this. Like, this is stupid. Uh, and somebody ended up reaching out to me through Facebook Messenger from Japan. And he said, because of your show, I decided not to take my life. Mm, and I wow. said in that moment, I'm going to continue to show up, not just on my podcast, but on other mm -hmm. people's podcasts, on stages, in one-on-one -on -one conversations. When a friend says they need me, I'm there. Uh, in the best way I possibly can, um, because that one sentence that I say might change a life. That one mm -hmm. conversation I have might change many lives. And so why not show up for that one person? Because I knew because I saved that person's life because it's something I said. I, mm -hmm. I saved the world. I changed the world. And so why not keep showing up? And so for me, it's really about that consistency. And, you know, I or I, I don't want to say staying humble because I think that's just who I am. But that's because it's not for me. The things that I've built aren't for me. They're for other people. And so when you have that approach to life, it's a lot easier to say, hey, I'm going to show up. Hey, I'm going to poke fun at my, myself. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to be honest and vulnerable. All those things. And so, yeah. By the way, I must say, Louis and Anne Marie, um, your accents are phenomenal. And you guys sound way smarter <laughs> than me just because of the accent. So I appreciate that conversation. I love it. <laughs> oh, I can put on the real South African one. I sound really stupid. <laughs> and then we got some other very posh and very British. <laughs> you actually, so I, I'm, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but you sound a lot like Adele when you speak. So if you can sing oh, like really? her, let's let's figure that. You do sound exactly like her. No offense, well, if I could sing like Adele, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I'd be begging you to be in the podcast. I mean, come on, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, you don't want me to start singing. Trust me. <laughs> I love it. I do love something that you were saying earlier. You, you described it as selfishness, and that's fine. It's a perfectly legitimate way of saying it. But I saw what you were describing as self care. And it's a topic that we actually have addressed here on all the, the days of, of the week that we do the show here, because I, I really believe self-care is about the most important thing that we could do. And the reason I believe that is because I have a history of not doing it. And I've actually been, you know, like what you talked about, right? You, you, you talk to people and you, and you learn from them so you can start implementing it for yourself. And that's exactly what I've been doing. So when I heard that you were doing that, I was like, yes, there's another one who's doing it. I love it. I feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so my girlfriend's actually uh she's a holistic wellness coach and a yoga teacher and whatever other accolade you can get in, under that t title, that's her. Uh and she has a a free webinar about self-care. It's like it's not about the damn bubble bath, right? Cuz like for the longest time, I thought that that was self-care, right? You I'm like I'm not a bubble bath guy. Like how am I going to do self-care? But it really is those things. But it's funny, I say the thing uh, the phrase that you mentioned about, you know, the most selfless thing you, you can do is to be selfish. I actually have an outgoing voicemail on my phone. Most people laugh at this. So uh, I have an outgoing voicemail on my phone that says, hey, if we didn't have a scheduled time to speak, I don't answer my phone. Um, and I also don't listen to my voicemails. So don't leave a voicemail. But you obviously have my cell phone number. So shoot me a text and let me know. And we'll find time to chat. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> and so I, I do this because uh, I found myself answering phone calls. And I was, I would get lost in a 45 minute hour long conversation. And so I was, then I had to become selfish with my time and take mm -hmm. back my time and go, this is what we're doing. So now all my friends text me and they say, Hey, can you talk? And if I can, I say yes. Um, and so the only person that calls me before they text me is my father. 
And then if I don't answer, he responds, I hate that voicemail. Let me know when I can get on your schedule. Uh, and so then I will <laughs> call him right back. But, but the reality is, um, it, it has been the greatest time saver for me because I realized most calls that aren't scheduled on my thing, uh, unless they're an emergency, which very rarely happens, right? We always go, what if it's an emergency? How many times do you get those calls in your life? Very, very rarely. Um, but, but, you know, I've taken back my time and I've become so much more productive. And so I've realized that I have to be able to manage my calendar in order again, to then be able to give. I can't be sucked into conversations that are draining to me. I can't be doing all these things. And so we have to do every little thing possible to own our time, to own our day, to own our, our ability to then be able to give. Absolutely true. In fact, uh, I think it even goes beyond uh, being productive. It goes, goes to being human and feeling human. I mean, uh, we, we often describe how LOA today, yeah, LOA stands for law of attraction, but it also stands for living our abundance. And an abundant life is not one like I have lived recently where you're just kind of chasing your tail all over the place. It's where you actually take time to do something that's fun. And if, yeah, if there's stuff that's in the way, then you put the stuff aside that's in the way and, and you make priorities and you make choices that basically take you back to living rather than doing all the time. That's what I yeah. hear when I say, yes, I, I took the time to, to, to make three things that I do every day, or I think you said four things that you do every day without fail, non-negotiable. What I heard in that was I make sure that I feel alive four times a day. No, a hundred percent. And, and most days, so I go through seasons of life right now is a busy season. Uh, but, but most days I'm done work by 2 PM and I'm, I'm Eastern time. So right now we're way past that time, but that's cause I'm, I'm in busy season. Um, but well, thank you, really, by the way, no, 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 of course I'm, I'm honored to be here. I, and that was never my, my mention of like, you're, you're welcome for my time. Um, but, but with that being said, um, I, I, I work to live. I don't live to work. And I think a lot of times in entrepreneurship, people get stuck in this kind of rat race of like, I got to work more. I got to work more. I got to work more. Um, I work with really, really big clients who now know my schedule. They don't reach out to me on the weekends. They don't do it because I've set the parameters. Uh, I over deliver when we're, when we're working together and I'm a hundred percent present when we're working together, but when we're not working together and I'm with my family, I'm with my family, 100%. And so if we're able to really kind of make sure we do that, that's when life becomes abundant, right? When you're super present in any given moment, whether you're with your family or you're doing the best work for the people who pay you or whatever the case may be, that's when abundance happens because the stress goes away. Um, your approach to relationship building becomes so much greater because you can give more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really, and I've said give a lot during this conversation. And the reality is it's how I, that's how I live my life. I end almost every conversation. Please let me know how I can support you or help you or anything. And I, and I truly, truly mean it. Um, and I mean it not from a place of reciprocity. I don't expect anything in return. Um, but I, but I mean it from, Hey, I want to help if I can and wherever I can, I do. And there's actually a really neat story based around this. So there's a guy named Ed Milet. If you're not familiar, he's got a huge podcast. Uh, uh, huge following and just a really, really amazing human being and in, in the self-development space. And he, he came on the podcast a couple of years ago and he had some internet connection issues. We ended up chatting on the phone before we did the, the interview, which ended up being like a week later, but we were chatting on the phone and I ended the conversation, how I end all conversations. Hey, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. And there was just dead silence on the other side of the line. And I like looked at my phone to see if he hung up. I'm like, this is really awkward. Did I say something wrong? Uh, because this is a guy that I admire, right? And he goes, hey, sorry. Um, nobody ever asks me that. Oh, my. And I realized that these individuals who seem like they have it all, right? Ed, my less worth half a billion dollars. Like, we're not talking pennies. Um, so these guys that have, that we see they have it all, nobody ever asks, hey, how can I help you? Because they don't, th people don't think they can, they can help. Um, but the reality is an, an ear to listen is help. You know, a hug when needed is help. Um, and I came up with a couple of ways that I could help Ed and him and I to this day still stay in contact because of that conversation. And so I approach every single conversation that way. And it's weird telling people that that's what I do because I'm going to end our conversation with, hey, if there's anything I can ever do to help you guys, please let me know. <laughs> um, but just know that it comes from a very sincere place. That's really cool. That's interesting, too, because that actually ties into something uh, that was a topic of a show we did uh, last Wednesday 
with my two co-hosts who do that show with me. Um, we, we realized I, I went through all of the, uh, podcast. I've actually been doing podcasts for nine and a half years now. And I went through all the podcasts and I found that we had never made encouragement a topic. And so we did an entire show on encouragement. And that's really what you're talking about there. I mean, yes, you're also offering to help somebody, but really you're, you're encouraging somebody and you were encouraging somebody who, like you said, most people would think, well, they don't need encouragement. They've already made it. They got it all together. I mean, it's bad enough that we don't encourage each other very often, but then yeah. we are even more sparing about it with somebody who seems like they got it all together. Yet all of us need encouragement on a regular basis. No, hundred percent. So, Hey, I encourage you to keep going nine and a half years in podcasting. I knew, <laughs> by the way, I knew when I said six years, I looked at you and I'm like, Oh, this guy's been doing it longer. I can tell, <laughs> tell by your reaction. I was like, six years is a long time. And you're like, it is a long time. Um, and so, but it's funny. It's all that people in the podcast space as they're coming up, they're like, Oh man, you're like the OG. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There are people out there that have been doing it for 20 years, right? So there's mm. always somebody who's been doing it longer. Oh, yeah. And I speak at, I speak at Podfest every year. And that's where I get to meet these individuals who are like, Oh yeah, I, I used to have to go to like a radio station. I'm like, dude, I bought a $60 microphone six years ago uh, and got lucky. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing when you get to talk to people who've been doing it longer because it truly, truly, truly is a, a, a labor of love. Uh, yes. and, um, so I, I honor you for that for sure. And I love what you just said, that it is a labor of love. I've I've actually probably bored listeners by saying how often that I've said it, that I do this because I love it. And I'm yeah. sure I can just tell from the way you're talking that you do it for the same reason. I mean, yes, you get the, the emails, and I know those kinds of emails, from the guy in Japan who, by listening to your podcast, he decided to live, which is wonderful. But you do it because you love it. Because, I mean, you, you can hardly wait to do the next episode. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Maybe I should just speak for myself on this one. I mean, I do because like it's the highlight of my day very often. So I'll just say that for myself. Then. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, and, and podcasters, we punish ourselves, right? So, uh, I, look, I've been fortunate enough that I get, I get some really cool people in my podcast, right? People that I admire and celebrities and all these things. And so I decided I was like, Hey, I built this platform. <clears throat> Let me help young entrepreneurs. And so I, I put out a feeder of people who wanted to, hey, would you want to be on my podcast? Um, so I'm adding a second episode uh, called Growth Now Movement Rise. And it's about young entrepreneurs on the rise. Uh, and by young, I mean, it doesn't matter their age. It's just cu- the first couple of years that, you know, in business. I think the parameters are something like first three years of business. And I was like, hey, let me put you on my platform. <laughs> the reality is I'm like, where do I find the time? And I put this out at the end of th- this last year. And here we are at the middle of February. And I'm like, I don't know when I'm recording these things. And of course, I, I have to go through it's like, a you know, 70, you know, applications and so on and so forth. But um, it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, like as a podcaster, let me just keep add, just pile on the work, just keep piling on the work. <laughs> Cause the, I mean, these conversations, especially as an interviewer, you, you do the research, you have to stay super present. You have to constantly be thinking and listening at the same time. It gets tiring. I only do, I, I have a rule. I can't do more than two interviews a day. It, like as the person interviewing, because I literally get exhausted. Um, wow. Okay. And that could be the ADD, but it's very, very difficult for me. So I, I cap it at two and I'm, and I'm good for the day. So now I don't know how I'm going to do these other ones. So we'll see. It's a, again, labor of love. <laughs> and you'll, you'll take it one at a time is what you'll do because you'll yeah. also take the time to take care of yourself and do the self care stuff that needs to be done anyway. And then you'll probably pile on a little bit extra because you're doing two interviews a day. So, you know, you exactly. just do what you have to do, right? Exactly. And some cat naps along the way, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. But assuming you can do, I've never been able to do naps. I try. It's like, me no, you, you don't want to see me after I wake up after one of those. It's not pretty. Not pretty <laughs> like, oh, okay. What are we doing next? No. <laughs> yeah. That's the interesting thing is, um, I can catnap, uh, pretty much anyway, anytime, but there's a pre, there, there is a requisition and that is I must be tired. If I'm not tired, I don't sleep. It doesn't matter what the time of the day or night. If I'm not tired, I simply don't sleep. I get up and I do something. Um, but if I'm tired, I literally sleep anyway. Any, anyway, so easy. Uh, but as I said, there has to be that prerequisite. Has to be. I, I wish it was easy for me. <laughs> I wish I wish it was easy for me. So currently, Power I'm doing naps, 75 hard. Good way of calling them. Yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to figure that out. I mean, I'm doing something called 75 hard right now, which is uh, 75 days straight. 
two 45 minute workouts. One has to be outside, which I live in Pennsylvania, which there's currently snow on the ground, uh, a mm-hmm. gallon of water, no cheat meals, no alcohol, 10 pages of a self-help book, uh, and a progress photo every single day for 75 days straight. And so wow. I'm usually a person who I'm up till, you know, 11, 1130, 12 o'clock at night, but now I'm going to bed at like nine o'clock. And so, because I'm just, my body is just done. And so if I could figure out those cat naps to then stay up later, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you up, Louie, and be like, how do I, how do I do this, man? What's, what's the right way? Cause I end up like walking. Right. I'm like, I'm just more tired. I can tell you. <laughs> Definitely do that, Justin. Um, I would love to help you. <laughs> um, so, so I was in the sauna the other day and there's this uh, young entrepreneur, uh, African uh, guy. He's what, say 22, 22. And he cleans shoes, sports shoes for a, for a living. And he's made a, a very successful business out of it. And, and, um, uh, bitcoins, uh, trading. So between those two, he's, he's been very, very successful and he's, and he had a very jilted vision of, <clears throat> Of women in this day and age, you know, <laughs> he just didn't think they, uh, they, they, they cut the standard at all for him. And, uh, I, I gave him a brief synopsis of, of, of my encounter of, you know, meeting my wife on an energy course for seven days. And, uh, she moved in after the seven days and two days later, we knew we were going to get married and have kids. And so we got married at Victoria Falls, et cetera, et cetera. It's just an incredible story. I mean, never listened to one of the podcasts. <laughs> we are going to in a great depth. Um, and we're still married with two kids and many years later. Um, wow. <clears throat> so, uh, I said to him, you know, actually the, the girl in there said, said to him, well, what are you doing? And he told us all about his, um, uh, his little business and all the rest of it. So after I explained this, the girl was fascinated with my story. She was like drooling all over it. And, uh, she asked him more questions and it was a beautiful interaction between the three of us. And I, I said to him, you know, when, when, when do you think you're going to be ready to, to give back? And he said, Oh, but I need to have more money and to do this and do that. And I said, what can you do right now in this moment? What can you do to give back? What's the greatest gift you can give anybody? And he just looked at me blankly and I said, I believe that the greatest gift you can give anybody is your own happiness. Can you be happy right now? Hmm. And it was like a light bulb went on, on, you know, in, in his mind. And he was like, Oh, you know, yeah, I suppose I can do that. And, you know, he just, he just started beaming and it was just so great just to see him like absolutely light up. Um, and you know, and he was shaking my hand and asking for my name and everything. And uh, it was just really nice. Um, but you know, he really started getting it that he can, he can do something right now. You don't have mm-hmm. to wait. You don't have to do something to, to give something, you know, it doesn't have to be a long process. If you start giving people your own happiness right now, or more importantly, your alignment. <clears throat> Now you've taken a long time. You, you, you're always creating the idea that you've, you, you've, you've, you've know what you don't want. So you've gone through what you do want. You've, you've done a lot of that. So you've talked about that a lot, specifically what you don't want. And you, that's the way you keep it real for everybody. Uh, and I, I understand that, but you could have shortened that process a lot by really focusing a lot more on what you do want. It could have speeded up that whole process. Not that anything is wrong with the way it's gone. Yeah. Because hundred um, percent. Now I will, I will tell you this. Most 23 year olds don't know what they want. And so that is what go, I was working on. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think everybody has to go through something, right. To kind of add, add to what you're saying. You, everybody has mm. to go through something. Like I had to go through all the terrible relationships I had to have the great one I have now, because I realized that I, I wait, I was the common denominator in all those terrible relationships, right? Yep. So I had to get, then go do the work, right? And, and I, again, I hired a coach to do it. And it's funny because this, this memory popped in my head when you were talking about that young man and how he, how he views women these days. And so I had a relationship coach and she goes, you know, I want you to write down ev- the perfect woman, write down everything you want her to have and be and do and look like and all the things I, I took my time and I wrote down this long list of the perfect woman. And she goes, great. How's it? Okay. Look at that piece of paper. You want that? Blah, blah, blah. She goes through the whole thing. I'm like, yes. And she's like, are you the person that deserves that woman? 
And very mm-hmm. quickly, the answer was, uh, wait, hold on. Uh, I don't want to admit it, but no, I'm not. Right. And so, um, and so really, I think, I think we have to have somebody else hold the mirror in front of us from time to time, uh, to not allow ego to come in the way to learn from not only our mistakes, but other people's mistakes. I think a lot of what I've done in my life is learn from other people's mistakes. I have plenty of my own, but I never went down the path of my parents because I learned from their mistakes. Right. So to, to, to then easily go, okay, I know what I don't want there. Now mm-hmm. let me explore and figure out and how do I navigate this and how do I communicate about this and how do I do all these things? And guess what? I'm now, I'm, I'm 37 years old now. I think I'm 37 now. I just knew that like I'm at the age where I have to stop and think about my age. So I'm 37 <laughs> now. Um, and I'm still, I'm still navigating. And I think that's the, in, I think that's the joy in life. Right. Um, and so I've realized that I have such fulfillment in my life now. And although I have goals for direction, I don't really care about achieving them. Like I, I want to get there. Sure. It's a direction, but I have, I tie zero of my worth to any of those things. And so mm-hmm. I got out of the rat race, uh, around yep. the age of 30. And so, you know, at, at 22 or whatever, but I talked to 60 year olds who are still in the rat race. I talk to some of the most successful people in the world who go, I have all this, these things. The one thing I don't have is fulfillment. Uh, and I prefer mm-hmm. the word fulfillment over happiness uh, because for most of my life, life, I was never given permission to be anything but happy. And I remember mm, really? something specific, 100%. And it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be terrible, but my parents never said, oh, it's okay that you're sad or it's okay that all these things. And so wow. I remember at, at you know, a number of years ago, I was going through some things and I remember I was very, very angry about it. And this was actually with an ex-girlfriend and I was talking with my relationship coach at the time. And uh, she's like, well, how do you feel right now? And I go, I'm angry. And she goes, you're allowed to be angry. You just can't be an asshole. And so I realized in that moment, I was like, whoa, first of all, okay, yes, I'm being a jerk. But second of all, um, it's okay that I'm angry. And all of a sudden, that anger was no longer directed to anybody else other than why am I angry? What can I do to fix this? All these mm, things, yeah, right? Yeah. To have that permission to be. And so when we say, oh, well, my goal is to be happy in life. Well, no, because you need all the other emotions too. Like that's a part of growth. That's a part of life. Uh, we just have to find fulfillment even when we're down on our luck, even when things are falling apart, even when we're sad, depressed, grieving, angry happy, whatever, how do we find fulfillment in any given moment, even when things aren't going the way we expect them to be? And uh, that's really been my journey. And that's actually the book that I'm writing now. A lot of the book is about that, um, you know, with personal antidotes and stories and stories of my own and my guests and all that stuff. But um, that's really been my journey and where we're, we're headed to now. Probably what I'll talk about over the next five to 10 years, um, because every single time I bring it up, there's so many people who aren't fulfilled. Uh, even even when on the outside it looks like they should be, um, they're they're truly not. So it's about really kind of navigating that with so many people, and that's what you did. And by the way, this is my long-winded answer to go back to. That's what you did with that young man uh, when he said, "Well, what, can't you just give happiness to somebody?" Um, and that's really the beginning antidote of how do we how do we start to navigate life in a different way. So it's the journey that's important, not the goal. A hundred percent. Like, dude, like we always think there's this end goal in life, right? Like, oh, once I get there, everything's going to be great. The only end goal we all have is death. Yeah. That's it. And even that one's up for debate. Yeah. 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 Well, Bezos is working on it. Me and my girlfriend. So on our morning walk this morning, me and my girlfriend, I think it was this morning or the other morning, talking about how Bezos was trying to, you know, figure out how people can live forever. I'm like, I'm the first one in that line. You got to figure out this fulfillment thing, man. Shit. Like I will be there immediately. Let's live forever. Uh, even though I'm starting to go, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to go gray. Sorry, Walt. I'm catching up to you. So pretty soon there'll be two silver foxes on this call. Justin, and, I'm not um, going to tell you this, but I started turning gray when I was 21. Wow. <laughs> I'm why. serious. Well, yeah. I, I started a long time ago and now I live with my girlfriend and her two kids. So the joke is the kids have made me go gray quicker, but I really just think it's my age. So maybe I'll tell them in that at dinner tonight. We'll, we'll see. Well, so I can talk yeah, that I was 11. Uh, you were 11, really, when you got your first gray? I was 11. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, pretty much all gray at 19. It was interesting. I went gray at about 21, and then I started buffing my nails. I, I heard about it, and my hair all grew back in <laughs> black again. So, you know, there, there's a whole clinic in America, I hear, that 
that teaches that with mineral vitamins and other things and to get your, wow. your hair back to grave. Um, but there's, there's lots of things you can do. You can reverse it. Um, That's I'm now going gray a, a little bit again, but I, you know, I haven't, um, I haven't put anything in my hair ever. Um, myself. Gotta look that up. <laughs> uh, buffing my yeah, who's this clinic? I don't know. I, I, Justin and I live in, in America. We've never heard of it. What's this clinic? You guys know about this. <laughs> hey, I, I learned this when I was 21 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Probably doesn't exist anymore. They're like, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, no. <laughs> um, but there was another thing we were talking about last week, Justin. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to bring up before that. Um, I think the greatest torture you could give anybody is to, is to make them live forever. Hmm. I get that. I get the people's thought process about that, but I think I'd be okay. I'm a- <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought about all the, I thought about all the terrible things that could you, happen. You don't mind watching your family die and and all the rest. I of look. I've already I've living. already lived through my favorite person dying, mm-hmm. and so you know, so I know that there's lessons and things that I could learn from and teach and continue to thrive and do all the things. But I also think that if they came up with a way for people to live forever, I'd find a way for all the people that I love to live forever too, no matter how much it costs. Right. I had a conversation yesterday with a a dear friend. Actually, if you guys watch the Super Bowl, this guy actually designed the Super Bowl halftime show set. Uh, And him and I were having, we were having a cigar together yesterday earlier in the day. And um, we were talking about like, if you just create anything in your life and you make it a must, like how many times have you failed on a must? Mm. Never. So why not make things a must? And so if it's I must live forever, like I think that's Bezos' thought process. Like I must live forever. Um, I think the real issue with living forever is that, will you have enough money to live forever? Uh, will you be healthy enough to live forever? And I think that's the true thing you're going to try and figure out. But I, I see what you're saying about people dying and stuff <laughs> like that. I know I've been through it once. We'd be okay, but I, but um, you know, I'll see you in in twenty four fifteen, and we can chat about it. Brilliant. <laughs> I'd love to have a chat about that. Subject. It's gone. It's um, gone off the rails, here, guys. I don't know what's happening anymore. You guys can live um, forever. But, I'll be on my fifth life. I'll come back and say yeah. hi. <laughs> I like the goo goo gaga phase. <laughs> <laughs> I like somebody having, just feeding having me. Having all that knowledge wiped out <laughs> and blank slate. And <laughs> Time to start all over cool. again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so the other, the other thing is, uh, Justin, we were talking about last week, the idea <clears throat> that I, I never want to look up to anybody because if I look up to them, I usually, you know, if I look up to Justin and, you know, I think he's great and he's this and he's that, I put him on a pedestal and I give him attributes he doesn't even have. Okay. But, you know, if, if there's one bit of advice I, I like to give to people these days, it's a new thing for me. It, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my new advice is, my old advice oh, is. Oh, advice I see. Is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so never look up to anybody and never look down to anybody. Because if you look down to any, at anybody, you, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're looking at what you don't like about them, aren't you? And when you're looking up to somebody, you're kind of creating them bigger and better than they actually are. And it actually makes them, the people feel awkward as well. So the yeah. greatest thing that I, I've started to learn is to just see people as they are, just yeah. as they are. And you know, that you can gain so much from that and, and give to the world so much, you know, and I remember in the army when I was shivering when my knees were shaking because I being a naughty boy. Um, and I was up in reprimand and I was standing there shaking in front of the major and, uh, it just felt so wrong. And I went back and I analyzed it uh, massively at the time. And I started to realize that I was never going to shake no matter how big or high the person was. God himself, you know, it doesn't matter or herself or itself. Um, you know, I was not going to shake anymore. I wasn't going to look down anybody and I'm not going to look up to anybody. And it's, uh, it's been a journey to kind of see things as they are and just appreciate them for what they actually are. And then a lot of the psychological drama and rubbish just vanishes in your life and the simplicity comes up. Yeah. That's key. No, I like what you, I like what you said there. So what you're saying is you don't look up to me. Nope. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so be- <laughs> he, he's not, he's not kidding. He's serious. Um, fully aware. The funny thing is, I, you know, the question of like, who was your childhood hero, right? Who yep. was, who was your hero? I never, you, had you brought that up. That's why, um, I'm bringing it up. Did I? Yeah, you, you said this person was looking at Joe 
um, as their hero. And you said, just be yourself. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I've, I've never had that childhood hero. I've never had anybody that mm. I looked up to and said, I want to be like this person. Um, now I will say this, there are attributes that I aspire to have that some of my dear friends have. Right. And I'll, I'll use an example. There's a guy named Fabio Viviani from America's Top Chef. And I always have, so you know, the whole saying of like the five people you surround yourself with. And I, and I have to wrap up soon. And so I want to get to this point though. It's super important. Um, you're the, you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. And so I really broke that down and I go, who am I surrounding myself with? And I've really labeled these five people. Uh, and these are the five. Number one is the cheerleader. This is the person who's going to cheer you on, make you feel like you can run through a brick wall. You tell them you have an idea and they go, I can see you. 10xing that overnight, right? That cheerleader person. The second person is the bruiser. This is the person who pushes your ideas, who challenges you, who, although they support you, uh, they challenge you in the right way, right? Now, I always put an asterisk here. This is not an abuser. This is a bruiser. This is a person who loves and supports you, but does it in a tough way. The third person is that softy, that person when, when you hit that low, when things don't go according to plan, you can kind of cry on their shoulder. But mm -hmm. the asterisk on this person is not the enabler. Right. They're there to listen to you cry. They're there to hug you when you need a hug, but they're also there to go, okay, now it's time to move forward. The fourth person is uh, the mentor. And that's kind of where Fabio falls into play for me. What I mean by mentor is, look, this guy, he, he was on America's Top Chef. He now owns like 40 restaurants. They do a boatload of money. I don't need his money. I don't ever want to be in a restaurant industry. I don't want any of these things. He curses way more than I do, although I do curse from time to time. <laughs> uh, but he's a mentor of mine because I aspire to be as kind as he is. I aspire mm. to give as much as he is able to give. And so from an attribute standpoint, I always look at people and go, wow, I really like how they do that. I wish I could be more present like that individual. And so what mm -hmm. I end up doing in my life is I try and find a way to get into their space and become friends with them. So again, we're on the same level. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I, I pay attention. I go, how are they? I become the most interested person in that room. How are they being this mm -hmm. way? Why are they being this way? What's happening here in all these interactions? And so that's the mentor. And then the fifth person is the coach. The, we talked about this earlier, that person that you in, invest money into so they can invest back into you. Um, I think that you always have to have that person. Now, these people constantly change throughout your life as you grow and as your circles change. But if you can consciously have those five people constantly in your life playing a role. Now, I don't go up to these people, by the way, and say, I want to let you know that you're my cheerleader because that would be <laughs> awkward. Um, but I have these people labeled in my head. Uh, although my cheerleader mm. does know who he is because I spoke at an event and did this breakdown and, and he was in the <laughs> audience. And um, so I had to t I had to tell him. But but to do that constantly, that that constantly has me evolving and growing. And so I think there is a sense of seeing an attribute somebody has, but never mm. the sense of like, oh, I want to have what they have. I think when we mm. go to that oh, place, I want to be like becomes, them. Mm. Yeah, it becomes really weird. But to go, hey, look, I really enjoy the fact that he's able to or she's able to own a room or, uh, you know, really truly be present one-on-one -on -one or to mm. whatever and to go, cool, I'm going to learn that attribute. And then all of a sudden I can add a tool to my tool belt if that's who I am. Uh, and I think that's kind of the beauty of being able to learn from others on a consistent basis, even if they are somebody who uh, has quote unquote had greater success than you, like you were mentioning. Yeah. I well, love that statement of, 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 um, the attributes of the person, but not, necessarily to be like the person um yeah spot on i love it um i've Thank often you. done the same um, my mentor also <clears throat> i never called her my mentor she was my mentor in my mind and i so relate to what you're saying um, but i never told her that <laughs> <laughs> well i know we, we you've got to get going and uh, certainly we're coming near the top of the hour so i want to close things up but before we do justin first of all i have to thank you because you've been a wonderful guest and and I Brilliant. love you. your authenticity. I, I love this conversation we had. It's beautiful. But you got to tell listeners how to find your podcast. We can't just cut you off there without you know, letting people know where to find you. Yeah. So uh, obviously they can search the Growth Now Movement wherever they listen to podcasts. I just recent, so I never grew my YouTube. 
Uh, I never cared to, but now I'm up, I've uh, recently started uploading my actual video interviews if people want to see that so they can search Growth Now Movement on YouTube. Um, it just hasn't been a focus of mine until recently. Uh, and then honestly, Instagram is my favorite place to hang out, at Justin T. Shank, which you can see in the little photo here. But at, at Justin T. Shank, uh, you can find me there. Shoot me a message. I try and reply to every single person uh, with a voice memo or a little, a little chat. And so if you have any questions or if I can support them in any way, please reach out and, and let me know. And Oh, and if they want to come and hang out in person, I have a live event coming up in May in Pennsylvania, so they can get Ooh. tickets at growthnowsummit.com. So. Very good. All right. Well, we'll be sure to include those links in the description so people can pick that up. But, Justin, thanks so much for being here on the program. This has been great. Thank Absolutely you. wonderful getting to know you. No, thank you, guys. I appreciate you, and I appreciate your time, and, and I've loved the the candor. Uh, I, I truly love that it went off the rails in a good way. It sounded like I was insulting <laughs> you. I wasn't. Uh, I, I oh, no, no, so no. Thank you guys so much. We, we go off the rails so much. I'm not sure where the rails are anymore, to be perfectly honest. They're probably around here. So I think I left them in the backyard. I'm not sure. But anyway. No, this is Justin, if there's anything we can do for you, let us know. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you'd do it. <laughs> thank you, guys. All right. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, everyone.